Welcome to Back on the Broomstick, a modern witch's spoken word grimoire, where two witchy friends from way back are reconnecting to their pagan roots after a long period of mundanity. We're rewalking the path of the wise and trying out all the latest spells, rituals, and magical theory in today's witchcraft and pagan practices. So grab your wand and your incense, your cauldron and your crystals, and join us as we get Back back on on the Broomstick. Hi, and welcome to Back on the Broomstick. I'm Layla. And I'm Shell. And today we're going to be having a conversation with some very good friends of ours, founding members of the Coven Circle Amarat with us, and (laughs) which is from way back in the large and wonderful pagan community that Shell and I were both involved with, facilitators of rituals large and small, teachers, leaders, and male witches, our friends, John and Kevin. Welcome, Jonathan and Kevin. Would you guys please introduce yourselves? I'm John. I've um, been uh, around the pagan community for a number of years, um, probably since I think I started in 1990, and um, have been around uh, many different circles. I'm very eclectic. I don't belong to any particular path or tradition. So I, I think I have a kind of neat perspective of learning from a lot of different people and a lot of different traditions and ways. And so, you know, I've, I've enjoyed the whole path so far and uh, here we are. Welcome, Jonathan. And I'm Kevin, River Day Amarat back in the day. I've uh, started my journey in the early 90s. It's uh, again, very eclectic and currently do not, I'm not in any part of any group, but uh, I'm definitely part of the getting back on my broomstick been an exciting journey so far. The conversation today that we're having is around gender and what it means to be a man in a spiritual practice that has often been seen as woman-centric. And witchcraft, and more specifically Wicca, has a complicated history when it comes to gender. On one hand, it's a sanctuary for those who identify with the divine feminine, offering an alternative to patriarchal religious structures. And on the other hand, the focus on the feminine has sometimes led to the exclusion or marginalization of men, as well as non-binary and genderqueer individuals. So the conversation that we're having today is hopefully evolving, becoming more nuanced and inclusive. We recognize that gender is a spectrum and that this spectrum is reflected in the divine. The god and goddess are just the tip of the iceberg. Today's witchcraft is making room for a more complex understanding of gender, one that includes all identities and expressions. Kevin, you were one of the first witches that I worked with on a regular basis, one of the first male witches I think I worked with on a regular basis. But I I guess this kind of answers the question, can a man be a witch? Are you a witch? Absolutely. I've I've always thought that. I I definitely agree with some of the things said in the intro uh, that uh, some definitions are evolving which they should. And I've evolved with them. But even from the very beginning, yes, I am a male and I am a witch. How about you, Jonathan? I totally identify as being a witch. I just don't, um, you know, I might not identify as being Wiccan per se, but I definitely identify as being a witch. I hear that. I, (laughs) I like to say I have Wiccan DNA because when we were learning, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, a lot of everything was Wicca. It was all Wiccan centric. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was everywhere. So I also say I am not Wiccan, but I, I do have Wiccan DNA because there are some Wiccan things that I just can't get rid of, you know, calling the quarters, casting a circle, the doing that for every ritual. It's kind of ingrained in me a little bit. Yeah, but I think like a real like witchcraft is more like 
a little more primal, a little bit more like in your DNA, in your soul. It's it's something that comes from within us. And and Wicca is something that kind of is we we reach out and learn from externally, but it might not necessarily come from within. Oh, I love how you said that. Yes. You know, you've always been that to me, Jonathan. Since I've met you, you have always seemed like a very primal witch, a very primal pagan. And I think it's from you that I really learned to work with elements. And drumming was something that I learned from you as well. And and using, incorporating drumming in ritual and using that type of energy, which for me very much comes from within, kind of a deep well inside. Very cool. You know, I wanted to point out that I am very glad that both of you, John and Kevin, have identified as a witch because I never really thought that the gender thing was an issue with witchcraft because when I did my first ritual, Kevin and John were a part of that. So from ritual one all the way through, I have always known men to be a part of the circle. I was never part of a female-only circle or a female-only group. And so to me, it's just normal that men are a part of it. But we see a lot on the internet right now where men are kind of feeling ostracized or feeling like they're infiltrating a female-only thing. And that's kind of weird to me, like I said, because from from my very first moon ritual at John's house on the third floor, it's always involved men. (laughs) That was the best. (laughs) It was. It was. (laughs) Those are good times. You know, that's a good point, Shell, because the pagan community that we all kind of grew up in was very much everybody. It had men and women in it. There were Wiccans, there were Witchens, there were pagans and heathens of all different types of belief systems. And we all came together and formed this beautiful eclectic mix. It just works without question. Yeah, I mean, I remember there were like Alexandrian groups and there was like a little bit of Gardnerian and there were these, you know, totally eclectic group and all these like little... Some um, shaman folk. Shaman mm-hmm. folks, um, solitary practitioners. And it was neat to see all those people come together as a group. It wasn't just even just like men and women. It was like a fusion of traditions and... Belief you know, systems and ideas... And throw in a little bit of chaos and let's just go and wing it. And we're not necessarily going to go with the rules. And then, you know, sometimes there would be tensions like, you know what? We're a very structured group and you're not very structured. And we're going to have to figure out how to mash this up. And there'll be a little bit of attention and a little bit of like, uh, I don't know, we used to have a lot of dialogue back in the day. We used to have to really dig through like our issues and and um, get to the root of that compromise. Yeah. Compromise. That's a good point because there were so many different types of people in that group. We did have to learn compromise. And one of the biggest compromises was one of the biggest rituals that we would put on regularly. And that was for Beltane. And Beltane would generate, people would call that ritual a year ahead of time. And they would have meeting groups with the community and everyone would get involved. And it would always come out great, even as difficult as that process could be. I'd point out that Circle Amrat started the calling it a year in advance. <laughs> and, uh, and we uh, kind of set that trend and uh, other people picked up on it. I thought it was great fun calling the, the year 2000, wasn't it? It was great. The year 2000 like- Beltane, we did that one. Yep. But going back to the community really quick and uh, how diverse and eclectic it was kind of circles back to what you, what we were saying about a Wicca. It seemed to be like the common thread was the framework that Wicca provides, you know, the, the calling of the quarters, calling 
the God and goddess. And it's what you filled that outline with was just so eclectic and different. And everybody was able to offer just what they believed to everybody else. Everybody else you know, took what they wanted, left what they didn't need. And I think we grew, everybody in the community grew spiritually that way. And I do think that it is is interesting to point out that, you know, we talked about having to have focus groups and work out our issues to get ritual done based on diversity. But the one thing we never, ever questioned was having men and women in circle together. That was never, that was just never a thing. No, it, it was never really an issue at all in our group. And specifically to bring a little bit of that, that Wicca centric idea in, like the framework was there. Sometimes for Beltane, we would perform what's called the Great Rite. And that is a pseudo-sexual, I don't, I don't know how to exactly say that nicely, a way to celebrate the union of male energy and female energy and the bringing in that synergy. At its most basic, I guess you could say it's representative of a sex act, but it's so much more than that. Uh, and in this, a man would hold an athame or, and a woman would hold a chalice or vice versa. And there was a whole poem. And as an aside, guys, I couldn't remember the entire poem. Like I remembered part of it, right? And so I went online to try and find it. It's nowhere to be found online. Ooh. The Great Right? Yeah. Like, try and find the poem for The Great Right. I can find rituals where they talk about it, but like the poem, let it be known, what is it? Let it be known that no man is greater than a woman, nor is a woman greater than a man. For what one lacks, the others shall be provide, right? Yeah. Um, for one lacks, the others shall give. Oh, then and I when they are combined, they become one in truth, for there is no ma greater magic in all the world than that of love. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. See if you can find that online anywhere. That's crazy. I can't believe you can remember all that. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> it's been so long. But the funny part was, I, I just saw somebody getting burned for giving out uh, Book of Shadows secrets that they should not have be an oath breaker. I'm like, am I going to be an oath breaker if I say this out loud? Because I can't find that shit online anywhere. <laughs> That's <laughs> so weird. I mean, people put everything online these days. So the Great Rite is the symbolic sexual union of the god and the goddess, symbolizing jo the joining of these energies of opposites, of polarities. It's a, it's a magical force. And in Beltane, to honor these two polar opposites, we would have um, men's mysteries and women's mysteries. And in our pagan community, when I first joined, they had been doing Beltanes for little over a decade maybe two decades at that point yeah they were very proud of saying you could go to whichever mystery you chose regardless of what equipment you were born with you could go to the one you felt called to that was never a problem and they were super proud of saying their very first may queen had been a biological male that story was repeated almost every single beltane so as men in community, what was your experience with those mysteries? And then the later creation of the fool's mysteries for people who didn't feel that they fit into either of those two groups. Well, my first time, I just thought it was amazing. We, I just, I had no idea. It was my first 
my second Valentine. I did a, a small one with a coven as a guest the year before. But then here I am in this big community. There's all these people. There's a lot of different traditions. And I'm like really confused at this point because I'm just a young kid. And, you know, I'm not sure what Alexandrian means, what Gardnerian means. At this point, there's just I'm being introduced and we go off into the men's mysteries. And, you know, we have our little thing and we find a big pole and, you know, we pick the making. And the women are off doing their mystery and they dig a big hole. And then we come together in union. And I remember the first time the women kind of came together as the men marched down from their section in a different, in a different field, we were greeted by the women and they created this wall, which was symbolic of the hymen. And we had to like slowly push through and there was this pushback and pull back and push back and pull back and everyone was moaning and groaning and it was very sexual and the energy just grew and grew and grew into the point where we kind of came into this whole like climatic experience of inserting the pole into the hole and that being symbolic of fertilizing the land the union of the god and the goddess and you just I just felt it. It was so magical and real. And my jaw was like on the ground. Like, this is just the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. I was just hooked at that point, you know, and then the men, you know, we, we reveal the King and the queen and we have the maypole dance and pull the whole community together, you know, just blending all the ribbons together, doing the whole weaving dance. And it was just, just so wonderful. And I've, I've never, I've never forgotten it. This has been with me ever since. I'm so glad you're here, John, because it uh, exactly every every word that you spoke is my experience as, as well. You know, we start at the camping field all together, and then the men break off into the path to the ritual field. And when the first men's mysteries in that ritual field and being surrounded by other you know male witches, it was home. It felt like home. Yeah, and there's the symbolism of uh you know chopping down a tree and bringing it down that path all, all on our shoulders one of us wrote a song do you remember the song about uh pagan men i uh i i, I shan't uh sing it but uh um, <laughs> and i'm worried i'm worried uh i'm worried about uh, being an oath keeper so i'm trying not to reveal too much because it is uh you know half of the men's mysteries is mystery and uh you know that's that's part of it as well but but yeah, the, the the tradition of the two groups starting together and then uh, separating into male and female, and then joining again is more than jaw dropping as, as as you you described it. It is surreal. I wanted to just add to the men's mystery part that what was it maybe late nineties or so? Um, a new element was added, and that was called the fools mysteries. That was more of a I don't know, how would you best describe it? Kind of a, 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 well, a non-gender or gender fluid group? If I remember correctly, I mean, we were doing it the normal way. And then, all this, you know, and, and it's part of that whole give and take kind of thing as we get to learn about each other over the years um, and grew as a community, the more and more people would show up. I, I, I remember some people, and both women and men, were saying, you know, I don't quite feel so comfortable with this setup. I, we don't feel that we're living in this dualistic you know, male and female world as some of us fall in the middle, you know, and we're not quite sure how we're supposed to fit in at Beltane. It's a little awkward for us. And so, okay, well, let's explore that. And then some people 
came up with this thing called the, you know, they started working with what's called the two spirit mysteries, which is based on some native American story, I think, mm-hmm. or tradition. I'm not sure, yes. but then it evolved over, over time to what they called the fool's mysteries. And um, the fool is neither male nor female. It's everything in between. And um, so they kind of created this third mystery and incorporated it into the whole Beltane festival. I, I don't even know if we can call it a ritual at this point. It was a long day, a full day of like, it was almost <laughs> like a full day festival rather than. A, it was uh, often a, a full weekend. A weekend. Yeah. 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 Uh, but going back to the fools, it did. Uh, there was uh, maybe a perception uh, side of it, but it was uh, where, where children were also welcomed as well. And, you know, it's like children go through that latency period where they're, they're, they're not male or female per se. I mean, they obviously were, were born with whatever plumbing they were born with, but there was that kind of a, an aspect of, of it as well. To touch on that a little bit, Jonathan, like you, the very first held almost every single woman's mystery I ever went to with this community was amazing. I mean, Absolutely. An amazing, magical experience from my head to my toes. My magical self was thrilled every time. The different people that facilitated these, the getting on my hands and knees in the dirt to dig this hole that had been dug before by the women in the community to see myself in the mirror at the bottom of, okay, I'm giving away mysteries now, but, but to do the, (laughs) whatever mystery we happened had been planned for that was powerful and beautiful and, and primal. And I, cherished that but it was also very sexual that energy of life and of of new beginnings is inherently sexual and you can't really get away from that too much and i think another reason to bring in the fool's mystery was because a, a lot of people in the community did have children and were bringing children and it was kind of a rule that beltane was more for adults and not for first timers but that broke down as we got bigger and bigger and we needed something that wasn't so sex focused Adult, yeah, yeah that everyone thing. could be at whether you know and i think that was a, a small part of forming that group as well because those rituals if i you know it's just kind of coming to the surface of my consciousness right now that we you know in doing these things and separating off into the male mysteries we were really pulling out like the primal divine feminine and the divine masculine in our own separate groups before we even came together to unify so i mean if you're not feeling comfortable in either of those polar opposites, you know, we definitely had to have something alternative for someplace for other people to fit in, right. you know, to feel comfortable. And uh, who knew upstate New York was so progressive in the nineties. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I recently came back to this same community after having been gone after COVID, after moving across the country to a Beltane ritual, which was different. The land is different. The people are different. Everything's kind of different after all these things have changed. And there was no men's, women's, and fool's mysteries any longer. Yeah, I see you're surprised. But it was, (laughs) they had decided instead, and there's a little pushback against that, but they had decided to instead go with still polarity, but instead of labeling it male and female to give that polarity names, they called it active and passive and they talked about the different energies that each would Mm. that each required and that you would work with when you did it and you could choose based on that and i can tell you it almost split i would say 90 percent down gender lines but i went with the men's mysteries to go help chop down the tree and and that was very transformative for me in 
they didn't call them that. I went with the active mysteries because at that time I felt I needed that type of energy in my life. Whereas always before I had gone to the women's mysteries, it, it just was different this time. It felt a little different. And I don't know necessarily if I loved it or not, but I did like it. It was interesting. Well, you know, I always felt like drawn to explore. I always felt curious about the women's mysteries as well. And, you know, I would never want to be intrusive or be where I wasn't supposed to be or insert my energy where it wasn't wanted. But there were times where I had been gratefully invited to, you know, kind of sit in in some of these um I don't even know, rituals. And and I felt it was really wonderful. It really helps me to connect because, I mean, I think that we're a combination of active and passive, of masculine and feminine in most of us. And, you know, especially being a man in a patriarchal world, it's really um, refreshing to have that experience to learn to have that relationship with the divine feminine so that we're able to to pull out um our nurturing aspects all you know all those like things that like society as you're a male like you're you're told to you know don't have your emotions don't cry you're not allowed to do this you're not allowed to do that you have to be this this and this and so like all of those things are kind of like pushed out of us at an early age and so one of the wonderful things about witchcraft and paganism has been the matriarchal aspect and learning to heal and reclaim those parts of ourselves as men mm-hmm. and i don't know if it's the same for women like i don't know what was your experience with that was it like you know hey here's a whole aspect of myself that i've never been able to explore as a woman what was your experience with that definitely for me it was extremely empowering when i found witchcraft it was like a lightning bolt hit me i I had come from a background of a Christian family, Christian step family that, I mean, they were Methodist, so they weren't like super hardcore, but it was still God this, God that. And and women didn't really have a place there. And so when I found witchcraft and found all these empowering ideas of the goddess and the goddess is within you and you are deity and you have God and goddess within you and you can do all these things. and sexuality is actually holy it's part of nature it's part of life you know your sexuality and your gender are not bad they're celebrated here you know all of this and for me it was i mean i'm getting chills just talking about it because i needed that in my life i needed to be told that in my life and and so it it kind of completed like you said from a patriarchal society to hear women are goddesses that was revelatory to me at the time yeah and as a man, even like be told that the goddess is in with you as a man, you know, yes. is just like yeah. amazing. You know, this is yes. just, I don't know. No, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember one Beltane in, uh, in community. At the beginning of it, the people that organized it, they made this big yin yang, and half of it represented uh, the male, and half of it represented a female. And they, offered you an opportunity to, it's like where do you fit they presented it like like a spectrum like like a scale and you know where do you fit on this scale you could stand invited everybody to stand in different places you could be at the at the tail of the yin yang or you could be at the the other side the, the big you know open other side and everybody stood where they identified and then they kind of flipped the script if you were on the, the, the male side, uh, you were doing what traditionally was the, the women's mysteries. And oh, if you were okay. on the female side, 
you went and did what was traditionally the the, the men's mysteries. Ah, to give you balance. Oh, wow. I, I like that. And it was, that was an, an incredible experience, you know, to, to be on the opposite side, to uh, be able to work on spiritually in this large group, supportive group, to work on like the feminine energy aspects of myself. And I don't remember what year it was, but it was uh, probably if it was the early 2000s, I'd I'd be surprised. It might have been mid to late 2000s, I would say. I think that was the start of my evolution um, into uh, gender identity. And uh, we lacked the language at the time. And I think uh, the one thing that we have seen uh, throughout all of these years is the, is the, you know, just simply having the words to be able to articulate some of the, you know, some of the things that, uh, we felt. That is definitely the, the one belting at, at, at community that I, I, I will never forget. I think I'm the only one here that, that only has one perspective. Um, I have never participated in anything other than the women's mysteries. That, that's my only frame of reference. Um, that has just, just been where I've been drawn to, but I've always wondered what goes on on the other side. But yeah, as much as I wonder, um, I've, I've still, I've kind of stayed in that women's mystery group, but we'll see, you know, times they are a changing, but I do have a, I do have another question. Um, and, and I want to start with you, Kevin, kind of building off of this. So as a cis man, what is your relationship with the goddess like? And do you call upon her in your practice? Is that something that you kind of, do you integrate the goddess or just the God? Like, how does that work? Oh, I, I, I definitely integrate the God. I definitely integrate the goddess. I definitely integrate uh, both of them sometimes. I lacked the, may have lacked the language to articulate it, but I've always felt that gender is a spectrum. Um, and I've recognized that personally at a very young age. I lean very, 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 very heavily towards the male side of things. Yet there is the, the, the feminine side of me as well. That is you know, part of the reason why I was drawn to witchcraft is that balance. So I do call the goddess and I have even the... <laughs> Even a goddess has called me and uh, didn't realize I needed to work with Hakate, but uh, she tapped me on the shoulder at one point in my life. And it was an interesting uh, spiritual exercise or journey that, uh, with that. But uh, to me, it's, it provides that balance. I think uh, I would have a hard time believing somebody is 100% one way. And even if it's only a half a percent or a percent, it still needs to be explored. It still needs to be understood. And uh, otherwise, you're not whole. You're not spiritually whole if you don't recognize um, the opposite gender that is that is in you. And how about you, John? Do you, do you incorporate the goddess or do you find that difficult or, or, or is it just you know, no such thing as difficult? I find that no such thing is difficult. So, Well, when I first started, you know, I, well, I got introduced into witchcraft um, it was a woman, okay, who used to follow me around a little bit in the eighties on, on um one of the streets by the by where we lived, and she would approach me and talk to me a little bit, and like we would pass each other, and then she just kind of kept getting to know me, and she waited. She would ask when my birthday was. She waited until I was eighteen because <laughs> back in like the late eighties, early nineties, everyone was still in the witch closet, the broom right. closet. It was very much 
frowned upon to say, hey, acknowledge somebody else as a witch in public. If you mm-hmm. knew somebody in our community, in any community, you know, you were not really allowed to discuss it. Very taboo. Very taboo. <laughs> and so, you know, when I was 18, like she finally like kind of invited me to her house, kind of turned me on to a little bit, kind of like tested me a little bit with like, hey, look at these crystals. What do you think? Kind of wasn't sure how to approach the subject. Did you get groomed by a witch? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And so, like, you know, then I started like looking at the, some of the books that were laying around and I picked this one book up and ironically, my first book, my first witchcraft book was a book on Dianic witchcraft called <laughs> Earth Magic. And that, <laughs> um, but yes, I totally went with the goddess first. I did not, you know, look at the god or the male mysteries at all. I was just really attracted to the moon, to the lunar mysteries, to different goddesses, um, Hecate, um, Aphrodite. I started with the Greek goddesses and kind of moved on to, you know, learning about all the different goddesses in mythology. You know, you learn about Oshun and Oya and Kali and Pele and and really learning about all of these goddesses and their aspects and how we relate to them and how, you know, I relate to the world. I, I learned how, how my place in the world by learning to relate to them and their stories and they're kind of like uh, I don't even know how to call it. Like everyone seems to have their own like little net each god and each goddess, you know. And then after some time, I felt more comfortable to learn about the gods. I don't think that there really were any as many sources back then. Everything was very goddess focused, and it was like plentiful. So it wasn't a lot to learn about Pern or Kernunos or yeah, yeah, any of that. Um, it wasn't as readily available back then. So, I mean, mm-hmm. my I connected to the goddess first for me. From the opposite, connect to the god. From the opposite yeah. perspective, John, and and I, I think that Kevin and I had a similar timeline to our journey. So, Kevin may agree w- with this statement as well. But a lot of the goddesses that I was exposed to early on in the very beginning was through you. You exposed me to Kali. You exposed me to Pele. Like some of these non-traditional goddesses, so to say, I had been exposed to through you. Um, So you kind of opened my eyes to so many more aspects of the goddess than, you know, your traditional Caridwin or or Hecate or Artemis or, or Bridget. Like you brought in the Kalis and the Peles and, and that was that was pretty awesome to get all that knowledge from a man. Well, thank you. That's amazing. Well, I learned a lot of that from such our, our eclectic local community and all these different yes. people. So I'm really glad I turned it from them and you learned it from me. And, you know, that's how things used to work before the internet. It was. <laughs> we know? That pagan community that we all grew out of and the coven that we formed at that time was special. I don't know if we knew how special what we had at that time was. I mean, I still go to pagan festivals and and different places and there's nothing like Like that pagan community. I mean, you can get it if you go to a big festival or something like that, but local communities like that are few and far between, unfortunately. What uh, Shell said, I completely agree with. And what it is, it's a perfect example of, of why Circle Amarat was so beautiful. We learned from each other. If you had a question, there was one of us that we could turn to and ask. 
and we, we, we grew together and we had no idea how beautiful that was at the time. And I think looking back on it, we're not exaggerating it in any kind of way. It was, Circle Armour was just something that was one of a kind. It was. Absolutely. But men in our coven, in our community, you appreciate women, but you also appreciate being a man. You don't have to give up one to have the other. You know, being a pagan, I think you understand intrinsically that all of these things are a balance and that you need all of that. One of the nice things, one of the neat things, one of the things that I love about, you know, this whole pagan Wicca, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it, um, is we learn to connect to the elements we learn you know earth air fire water spirit we learn about the god we learn about the goddess we learn about each other we learn that all of us each one of us has particular talents whether it's through tarot someone else is like a, a rune master someone else you know really loves to make you know staffs and someone else is just great um, with the drum someone writes music someone's a poet no matter what who you are there is a talent inside of you and so like one of the things i love about this spirituality is we're allowed to pull that talent out of ourselves and when you get into a group especially with a coven or any kind of community you learn that together all of our aspects coming together unify us in a way that is greater than ourselves and so I've learned that I'm able to walk through this world realizing whether you're a Christian, whether you, you practice Judaism, you're Buddhist, whatever you are, an atheist, we're all bringing our special talents, our energy into this circle of life. And so we all play an important role. So walking through that, I've learned to be far more accepting of people where they're at and where they need to be. Um, everyone, I, I've learned to trust that everyone's where they need to be in this world. And even if it doesn't agree with where I happen to be, um, it's okay. You know, it's okay. I don't have to dwell on, on things. So I've learned to accept other people in ways that I think other religions and spiritualities, um, well, maybe other religions don't allow us to connect and acknowledge each other and and accept each other for who we are and what we are and you know if that makes any sense at all it does <laughs> it does absolutely it, it, it definitely uh echoes some of the things that jonathan has, has already said but you know it's that that idea that you what, what's the way to, to say this uh, you almost like create your own religion you take everything that you need and you leave everything that's left and echoing what John said, you know, people are at different parts of their, their paths. In the relationships I've, I've been in, it's recognizing that in the person. They have their own, they might have been brought up in as Methodist or Christian or Jewish or any, any religion, but they may not know it as well, but they are doing the same thing. They are taking what they need from that and leaving the rest and making their own, their own religion and their own belief system, their own, their own spirituality. And that, that's what I see or try to connect with and, and try to understand with, with any relationship, no matter if it's, you know, just a friendship or you know, something more intimate or what have you. It's, uh, being able to see that divinity in, in that other person or what their divinity is and you know where they are on their path didn't we used to uh do a piece of a ritual where we would say the divine in me recognizes the divine in you 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right along with Kevin's thought. <laughs> now, is there anything in particular that you would like to say to any men out there who think they might be a witch or who think they want to might want to research this spirituality a little more? Is there any advice you might give? Or that think that they shouldn't fit into this? My advice would be if you're thinking you are a witch, you are a witch. Where you are on your path is the only other question. And if you know, if, if you're at the beginning, if you're at the beginning of your path, I am envious because it is a very, very magical time. It's that spiritual awakening. It's when you, um, you know, walk through of this world and you know everything starts to pop out at you and you just realize you just accept you just understand i reason why i'm a little envious is because uh once you start walking down that path you start to integrate that and it comes integrated to the point where it's just the tools drop off the the uh, rituals you know drop off because you, it's just so integrated in into your life and then you get to the point where i am where it's like i need to get back onto my broomstick <laughs> so for the person questioning um you already know the answer you are you are a witch well said very well said do either of you have any particular deities gods or goddesses that you like to work with or that have called to you hmm. i mean Growing, I, I think when you enter into this, you're really learning to discover who you are and you're evolving and you're changing. And so a lot of times you learn to connect to certain deities. But like Kevin said, like you kind of get to a point where you integrate all of that and everything comes becomes almost like so intuitive that you don't even realize you're practicing the, the craft. You know, you just kind of like light a candle and, you know, here's this and that. And, and, you know, I live out in the country now, so I just kind of feel connected to the earth and the elements quite often. I come here, this is my my safe space, my sacred space. And so not really do I feel connected to any particular deity, although I'm open to when they want to, you know, kind of tap me on the head and just say, hey, you need to pay attention here. Um, and that doesn't really happen as often as it used to. And I think kind of that's, that's part of the natural progression of being on this kind of path. You want to explore, you want to learn everything, all the things. And then eventually you've learned a lot of different things and you come to terms with who you are. And, and then you get busy with life. People have kids, people have careers, people, you know, are off in the world and you just kind of distract yourself. And like Kevin says, you know, I'm learning to, pull back now i'm in my 50s and it's like okay i've got all this stuff done let's reconnect with myself a little bit here and so i'm kind of getting on that broomstick again myself and learning to reconnect and you know questioning like what is you know what was all of that i still i have this like little weird crossroads here which i call like that's hikate's spot you know and um there's there's little things where i still connect to different deities but i don't necessarily like have a um any anyone special that I work with at the moment. Hakate tapped me on the shoulder um uh, when when I was much younger and that was probably the most in, intense uh, uh work that I've done. Uh, like John, it's it nobody's specific as of you know right right now and you know maybe opening up being open to the idea maybe I am gonna feel a, a tap on the shoulder. But um, when you get tapped, you you know you get tapped. Especially <laughs> you know. by Hikate. 
Yeah, I was at a campground. Uh, there was a place called the, the, the Ferry Woods. I was like looking out over this, uh, you know, hill parking lot and all of a sudden, um, you know, fog just rolled in and her presence was, was known to me. And when it happens, it's like the, am I a witch question? You know, it's like you, you could ask yourself, is this really happening? And it, the answer is it, yes. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> right. I remember one time when all of us were in Circle Amarat, we were doing some ritual in a field and it was a lunar eclipse. And, you know, sometimes you go through the motions, you go through the theatrics and you light the candles and you do all your stuff and you do your ritual and you go on home. But there's other times where we truly step between the worlds. I remember that one particular night, all of us were together on a hilltop with the lunar eclipse and we were like just between the yeah. world. It happened. You couldn't deny it. Yeah, yes. I remember that energy flying. We're in that liminal space. It was magic everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it works out like that. And sometimes we now, you know, we're older. I still find myself every once in a while accidentally walking into those moments. Yes. Without intentionally doing so. Like before we would do it with intent, you know. Mm -hmm. And now I think when you get older and you get used to all of those things, sometimes you just find yourself accidentally in the magical moment. <laughs> right. In that space. And, and I think that in cycles like shell and i the the whole reason we started this podcast was part of that that cycle we go through cycles the moon goes through cycles seasons go through cycles we go through cycles and and there's a time to rest and i think you know we kind of did that and and we did other things we put our energy in other directions and now that time like you said jonathan is come back to ourselves and to give to ourselves and i think my magical self is someone I kind of sacrificed a little while ago and I'm trying to resurrect her now. And it's yes. part of a process and I'm hearing more and more people. We're not the only ones. A lot of people are getting back. A lot on. of folks, they're seeing the, those broomsticks and they want to hop back on. It's take, totally... take a look at, take, take a look at how, when, when Circle Amarat was, 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 was formed for us. I mean, we had this larger community that, that we went to, we were looking up, to our elders looking for guidance and we weren't getting it. So we formed Circle Amarat because we could get it from each other. And what we, what I'm realizing now that I had no idea at the time is they were integrating their spirituality. All the, the person, people that we looked at uh, as, up as elders were going through the integrating to the point of, you know, where, where we are right now. I, I see that. It's like knowing that now they were in a part of their path where they were off their broomstick and then watching them you know, as a decade or so goes by, we saw them, you know, reconnect and get back on their broomstick. Um, but that was part of the reason why Circle Armorat was, was formed is, is exactly what we're talking about. There is that everything ebbs and flows. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're in the ebb, you could say you're off your broomstick. And then uh, but once it starts flowing again, you, you're, you're getting back on it. Yeah, I like to think of it as the spiral dance. And we just keep expanding and expanding and expanding. And just as we expand, like that circle just takes longer and longer to get around and, and kind of loop back to where we were once upon a time yes and, but it, uh, then it spirals back in it, it can always spiral right back in and i think that's it's that energy raising where we're at right now you know everything old is new again you know yeah we're shifting all that dies shall be reborn well i thank you guys so much for joining us i mean i have loved this conversation about men in paganism which again for shell and i is 
and for you guys, obviously, is not very unusual. We're pretty But this was like that. getting the band back together. We had half the band back together. This yes. is amazing. It's been an amazing time. Thank you. Thank you for this invite. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. We're so glad you guys wanted to wanted to chat with us because we were we really wanted to kind of give this perspective, and we thought, who better than the male witches we know best? Absolutely. Well, and it came in the most perfect time for me too because I was just really like at that like it's time to get on my broomstick, and then like all of a sudden you guys reached out, and I'm like, well, we no we. Yes, this is a sign. This is a sign. This is a sign. (laughs) Jonathan, I have to say, when I messaged you about this, you're like, you know what? I need to think about this. I need to meditate on it. And I'm like, all right, cool. No problem, Jonathan. Half an hour later, (laughs) you're like, I'm in. (laughs) So I I loved it. But it's a good time for all of us. I think there's the whole world, it seems like, is coming up witches. We're everywhere now. So hopefully we've helped a couple people know that you can be a male and a witch. You can be anything and be a witch. Like Kevin said, if you say you're one, you are one. So thank you guys so much. We'll have to do ritual again sometime soon now that y'all are back on the broomsticks with us. We'll have to get together. So but thank you. That would be great. Perfect. Thank you for listening to Back on the Broomstick. Please join us next week on Friday as we discuss even more topics that you have sent in. If you'd like to hear something or just want to tell us what you think, please email us at backonthebroomstick at gmail.com. And please rate us, give us stars, reviews. It really helps the show out and we appreciate it. So we will see you next time.